Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You're listening to the first and only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Hear from independent pharmacy owners, leading entrepreneurs, political strategists, healthcare technology trends, career coaching, interviews about our pharmacy industry, and more. Be sure to subscribe to the show via iTunes and leave us a voice comment from our contact section on the website. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. Hi, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. I'm your host, Blair Tielemeyer of Pharmapreneur Academy. Today, I am so excited to welcome Clay Bullard, the president of PGX Medical. Clay, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Blair. Thanks for having me. Well, I really like what you guys are doing at PGX Medical, and you really are the leader in long-term care pharmacy, uh, pharmacogenomic consulting. And, you know, just take us back to the very beginning for the pharmacist that's listening to the podcast and, you know, has heard of pharmacogenomics but doesn't really understand um, what that means and how a pharmacist could use it. So can you take us back to the beginning and tell us what is pharmacogenomic testing? Absolutely. Uh, well, I'll take it back to the very beginning in terms of most people try to pronounce that three or four times and they stumble over their tongue. So it's, you just think of it as break it down into three sections, pharmacy, co meaning with, and then genetics or genomics. Genomics and genetics can be interchangeable terms, even though there's some slight differentiations, but Pharmacogenetics uh, is really just aligning pharmacy with how the patient metabolizes. So most every pharmacist under the age of 55 has studied uh, in some detail during pharmacy school. And I say under 55 because um, those that are older than that, it was kind of one of these um, theories that was out there because there wasn't much of the genome project that was done at that time whenever they were going through school. But Every patient, as you guys have studied, there's pathways through which the body through the liver metabolizes medication for those prescriptions to be able to come in and provide therapy for the body. And then also there's site receptors and there's receptor genes, um, OPRM only, which is an opioid gene, which helps the medication to be able to affect the body in the way that we expect it to. So what pharmacogenetics is, is we are testing, we are analyzing the patient's body, their DNA structures, to make sure that all of those specific pathways for which the medicine needs to enter into are normal, or we will highlight an abnormality which should and does help the clinician and the pharmacist to be able to understand, should I change the dosage on this? Do I need to increase or decrease the dosage? Do I need to look at an alternative medication to treat the same disease state that takes a different pathway. So what I call it, it's an ultimate GPS guide for doctors, for pharmacists, and for clinicians in general to be able to avoid trial and error, help provide better outcomes, all through letting the patient's body through their pharmacogenetic profile to give them a pathway versus trying to guess and figure out what works for most of the population, but not all of it. So it's kind of the, the general concept of it is it's a one-time Q-tip buckle swab test um, that is done for the patient, and then the results come back in about 48 hours. And then from there, what our role is is to be able to help the clinicians to understand how to assess that patient and to be able to help them implement the, the results of the test. 
Okay, so do you guys, you provide support for the pharmacists, you know, the consultants that are utilizing these tests. Do you have a, a training program that helps them, or are you, you really walking them through the first few times? Yeah, we do. We have a training program. Um, what we do at PGX is really, really just come alongside of the clinician. So every pharmacist, every physician, every nursing home, there's always a nuance or a unique part of their practice that is different from somebody else's. So there's a, there's a training process, but then there's also the just what I call the add-on or the bolt-on application for PGX Medical, which just allows us to be that support system that helps them with supplies and, you know, I can't figure out where my password is and, you know, I got this patient, which isn't, I don't understand. Or, mm. There's just always that kind of nuances. So we're just that helping body, that continued consultant that they can call at any time. Plus, we just help them set up uh, for like pharmacies that want to do that in the pharmacy that have a collaborative agreement with their clinicians that they service in their area or even ones that are embedded in the clinics just to be able to help them to understand what is the best application because not every patient has an application for PGX testing. It doesn't cover every medication. So we're just kind of help them navigate through the weeds uh, to understand the value of pharmacogenetics and then the application of pharmacogenetic testing. Okay, and, and these are two questions I get all the time, which is, can a pharmacist order a pharmacogenomic test, and will the patient's insurance pay for it? Two great questions. Um, I can answer the first one with a yes and a no. <laughs> yes, in some states where they have uh, prescriptive privileges, those are few and far between, but where they do have provider status, they can order the testing just like they can for other labs. Um, I don't have that list with me right here, but there are some of those. But in general, it requires a clinician's or a, I'm sorry, a, anybody who can write a prescription can also order the test for the patient. So that, that varies, but for the most part, um, you can order, they can have a role in the ordering. We can get what's called a, a um, standing order from a physician where they okay. say my patients to meet the following criteria uh, and we can help them set up that process as well. So they're not ordering it, they're facilitating it for patients where they think it would be good value where they're providing med management or other processes for those clinicians. Um, it's kind of the ultimate med management tool in that regard. For the second question in terms of just insurance coverage, the answer is yes in most cases. So Medicare and Medicaid, most Medicaid states cover it. Uh, Medicare covers it 100%. And then most every commercial insurance does cover it in one degree or another. What we don't know and what we never know is what is the copay for that patient? What have they signed up for their copay? What is their deductible? Right. But to help balance that off, what we've done is, is we've created a financial assistance program. Mm-hmm. So I would say of the of 80% of the commercial business that we do, most patients have no more of an out-of-pocket than $50 on average. So for about $50, which is the cost maybe of one or two prescriptions in the copay, they can know ahead of time that the medication has the capability to work as we think it's going to work with those, you know, with the limitation on side effects and value and uh, be a little bit more precise in their medications. Okay. So you mentioned value. So what settings or what patients are, are really the optimal patients or optimal settings that you guys are seeing a, a really good value and return on investment for these tests? Good question. The, there's really three big ones. Um, nursing home, long-term care, assisted living, basically the geriatric population in general. 
simply because of the fact that they are on typically on more medications. Mm-hmm. They have a uh, lower tolerance to side effects of medications. And then the third one is they have a lower metabolization rate. So we're not measuring metabolization rate. We're, me- we're measuring metabolization capabilities. But as we age, your rate decreases, which is why, you know, people like me that are we're in our late 40s, it's just, you know, we can't eat what we used to. We have to exercise more, just our metabolization slowing down. That also works for your liver and for medication. So for people that are intermediate metabolizers, well, at 21, that medication may still have provided enough therapy for that disease state. But maybe at age 61, they don't have that same metabolization rate. So those are some things that the geriatric population has that others don't. So any geriatric, we, we're, we're the only capable provider in the long-term care space in nursing homes and assisted living uh, nationwide. So we just partner with them for the same reasons, you know, they don't have a physician on staff and they have them on staff on site at all times. So it really kind of falls back to the nursing care, uh, mm-hmm. which is why they see value in this. So that's one setting. Clinics are the other setting in clinics. Um, primary care physicians, uh, med management uh, is a big piece of that whenever they're really doing patient assessments. But the biggest area where we see application in where we just see tremendous turnaround and value is in the entire area of behavioral health. So psychiatric, psychology, um, anybody that's dealing with behavior such as um, psychosis or depression or bipolar, um, seizures, which kind of falls into the neural area, but sometimes they'll get, those get labeled as behaviors. Those are all areas that typically by standard require a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll try this medication. We have to leave it there for 60 days to see if it's going to enter the system to provide value. If it doesn't, then we have to try to down, discontinue the medication for 30 days before we start the second one. And a trial and error process can take six to eight months. Well, in the meantime, we're dealing with a patient who's got a behavior issue, um, which can be, you know, detrimental to them, detrimental to their family. And we're not able to do that. The reason there's so much value there is because we're more accurate, more precise, and we don't have to guess anymore by using pharmacogenetics. But secondarily, we can decrease the amount of medications. Uh, we just did partnership with a uh, state in terms of their mental health, looking at uh, the assessment for their patients. We found that about 16% of their patient population was on medications with a dosage cost to the state was on average about $1,000 per dosage. But we found that 16% of those patients that were on that medication did not metabolize that medication. Mm-hmm. So we're literally flushing, and it's a 60 to 90 day regimen. So we're flushing over from two to $3,000 literally down the toilet with no therapeutic benefit. Well, those patients typically become hospitalized or they go into some type of rehab facility or whatever because what do we do? We're giving them high powered medication. It's not working. There's still a behavior. We need to put them in a housing facility of some kind. So the costs just escalate and escalate whenever we can just find through a simple buckle swab, hey, the medication's not going to work and we can know that ahead of time. So those are three good settings where, where pharmacogenics provides instant value. And then probably the fourth one that I would throw in there would be cardiovascular patients. Mm-hmm. Um, Plavix is the all-star drug for the pharmacogenomics industry and the fact that it's a, it's a mixed blessing. It has a black box warning on it. It's one of the most highly prescribed drugs for anticoagulation, yet 
according to the AMA and the American Heart Association, less than 5% of patients on Plavix have ever had a pharmacogenomic test. So it's kind of one of those, we know that we can help patients, but unlike a behavior patient, you don't know when a anticoagulation medicine is not working or don't until you have a cardiovascular event. Right. And, and so. you know, I definitely see, I see multiple uses for, for pharmacists being able to take these tests and, and really impact patient care. You know, recently my grandmother got a test done and, you know, myself as a pharmacist, my mom is a nurse practitioner, um, took the test from her PCP and got to looking at it. And, you know, I asked my grandma, I said, did they make any changes based on this information? She said, no, no, he didn't even mention it. He just gave me the, the, you know, the printout. And uh, so I got to looking on there and she's, she's always struggled with depression and has been on doses of, sertraline up to 300 milligrams and I've told my mom for years ever since I really started learning about pharmacogenomics I said she's a rapid metabolizer of sertraline I I know like I have no doubt she's a rapid metabolizer and so I looked at her test results last week and I said I told you I told you she's a rapid metabolizer and so then you know, my mom as a nurse practitioner started asking me questions about, well, what about her cinnamon? So I looked it up and I said, no, it's, you know, it's not hepatically metabolized. And well, what about Seroquel? What about this? And, and so we, we went through about 10 different medications that once, you know, she kind of understood what it was that I was talking about because I'd been talking about pharmacogenomics and, you know, how I felt like this could help people. But once we sat down and I started going through, you know, no, this is not hepatically metabolized or this one is, and she's a rapid metabolizer or not, then that's when she really got it. So I feel like there's a, a really big opportunity for pharmacists to, you know, demonstrate the value of these tests and also utilize that pharmacokinetic knowledge that that we have tucked way back in there, you know, on the cytochrome P450 system. And it's to me, it's the perfect opportunity that um, if we don't take advantage of it, for sure someone else will. But uh, I, sure. and, and, I'm very and, excited. Well, Blair, you're... Yeah, Blair, your story is is a very normal story, and I can, I can quote a couple of different things. The AMA five years ago did a survey on, on their members in terms of who even knew about pharmacogenetics, and it was less than four mm-hmm. percent of their physicians that responded. Well, they did it again last year; it was about twenty percent. So the education has popped up, but the secondary question came out: Do you know what to do with the results once you get them? Right. And there was an emphatic response of no. So the biggest gap at AMA or clinicians in general is exactly what you described. We did the test. Now what? So I think there's the role. That's where PGX comes in. Uh, we help with that. Uh, but we also help the pharmacists to help with that. We're helping pharmacists across the country to where they're trying to differentiate their practice a little bit or add to their practice. Mm. Well, the good part about doing med management reviews with pharmacogenetics is it literally takes just a couple of seconds and you're very pinpoint accurate, just like you were like, I told you, you're rapid metabolizer. <laughs> right. Um, but the other part of that, Blair, is as we're starting to see, and I'm starting to involve myself in more government regulations for stuff that people are trying to do and help certain industries, pharmacy is one of the industries that we're trying to help. 
because there's been a long push for a period of time for provider status with pharmacists, like some states have and some don't, but to make a national decision for uh, person, you know, prescriber status for, for pharmacists, strictly because the, medica- the number of medications per patient is escalating tremendously, especially in our geriatric population where CMS is predicting almost a billion prescriptions this year to be written for people uh, over the age of 65 in America. Mm. What's a billion prescriptions with a B? Yeah. Pharmacy, doctors are just prescribing and prescribing and where they may have, they may have, we see patients all the time that are on for your, like for your grandmother, three antidepressants. Well, the patient's stable, so we don't dare look at the, the regimen they're on, but they're on three, so let's leave them on three. Well, what right. pharmacogenetics can show is, well, the reason the first one didn't work, the second one worked partially, but the third one's the one that's really working. So let's start DCing some medications and start taking people off medications that aren't providing value. So as there's this big push for provider status, what I keep telling pharmacists is you need to differentiate yourself. You need to be able to do something that the clinician's not willing or wanting or able to do. And your whole study of field is medications. So become the expert on medications to help the clinicians because they don't really like to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And the pharmaceutical reps are dictating a lot of how they practice based on the newest drug or the latest study. And you talk to most people, the study, the the survey that was done on Plavix, which I mentioned earlier, less than 30% of cardiovascular or cardio physicians were aware that there was a black box warning on Plavix. Wow. Less than 10% of of, uh, primary care physicians. And then uh, uh, every time we talk to somebody in long-term care, they don't even know what we're talking about. So... As those things become more, the reason it's there is it very specific says 2C19, which is the pathway. Not all patients metabolize the same way. And if they don't, well, then you're not providing any anticoagulation therapy. So why in the world are you taking the medication? So I think pharmacists, if they can, if they can understand and see the opportunity, like you said, there's a huge, massive opportunity to be able to utilize a tool which exposes so much stuff, which helps the patient, helps outcomes provides value and decreases cost to the healthcare system. They don't have to know what the secret is. They can do that. They can make that review and then they can set themselves up as the go-between for clinicians and the patient to be able to assess them in a more appropriate and more accurate way than ever done before in the history of medications. Absolutely. And that's what I would love to see. Yeah. I think that, you know, like you said, provider status is, is going to make this so much easier by giving us, you know, prescriptive privilege, but um, there, there are workarounds right now. So I don't want pharmacists to see that as a barrier. You know, one of the pharmacists I just interviewed for the Elevate Pharmacy Summit was um, a consultant or is a consultant in a physician's office. So she's working for four different physicians and she does a little bit uh, different things in, in kind of each of the offices, but the overwhelming response to the pharmacogenomics testing program that she's implemented was how were we doing this without the test and without you before you were here? So, I mean, I thought that was great message. Yeah. And I would never say wait for something. What I was, what I was saying in terms of the provider status was, they keep asking the same questions. Well, what are you guys doing? Right. Well, we could do this if you allow us. To, we could do this versus we're already doing this. Right. But that's why you need to make us as the gap. So I think the more people that do it, 
that gives them the opportunity to say, here's why we're unique as that uh, pharmacist you just described. If you have thousands and thousands of pharmacists with that same role, it'll be the primary care physicians and the physicians that are pushing for, for, for provider status because they don't want to deal with it anymore. Exactly. And they love to pass that off because their patients are better and they can treat the patient versus let's review your 400 pills you've been on the last year and let's try to figure out which ones work and which ones don't. Exactly. Well, that's my goal is to put this information into thousands of pharmacists' hands and, uh, you know, get them out there and get them utilizing these tests. So, uh, you know, kind of in closing, can you tell us about your, your new pilot program that you just launched? Yeah, so uh, we have launched a nationwide, the goal is 10,000 patients, mainly in the long-term care space, so assisted living or nursing home care. And what we're doing is we're going to be pooling 10,000 patients' worth of information to be able to continue to show the value of pharmacogenomics specifically to the long-term care industry for reduction of cost, for reduction, reducing medication, psychotropic medications, which is a focus, but to really collaborate as many facilities, hundreds of facilities across the country to be able to show there's a better way to do it, almost exactly what you just mentioned in terms of that pharmacist. How did we do this before? Mm-hmm. So we have a, we are, we're actively enrolling facilities. We're working with pharmacies. So if some of your listeners are pharmacy consultants that are working in the nursing home industry, if they want to learn more about our patient-centered care from Coachinomics pilot, and the reason we're calling it patient-centered care is because that's CMS's new wording for all the requirements that the pharmacists now have in the long-term care setting, such as documentation, reasons for dosing, and all kinds of new regulations. Well, pharmacogenomics solves about 85% of those simply by doing the test. It's the most precise, most accurate documentation with the best outcomes that is based on science, not based on thought or theory. So, Anybody that's interested in that, uh, pgxmedical.com is our website. There's some information there, slash pilot. Um, and then they can always just look at it on a call, it's email, it's whatever they need to do. But it would be something I would love for any of your long-term care pharmacy consultants to join us in that, to differentiate. Uh, it'll, it'll provide the exact same thing, Blair, that happened to that pharmacist that you described. Their, their facilities will be able to say, we got better outcomes we don't have to deal with as much stuff with our state surveys because our pharmacist does this amazing thing. And I don't know how he does it, but, and the reality is it'll take, it'll actually help him or her to be more efficient, less time in the home because it's more accurate. Right. And so it helps them to be able to grow their practice because they can now market differently than some of the, especially for independents, um, trying to compete with the big boys like, you know, for America or Omni or whoever else or Walgreens now, but even there, we have several of those uh, pharmacists who are joining the pilot simply because they want their information to be there. We're going to do a white paper at the end of it. So everybody who's participating will be um, published in that. And it's just an opportunity to kind of show the industry what the value of a true pharmacogenomics program is with the input of pharmacists and clinicians. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I see value in that. We haven't even, you know, touched on star measures and value-based care. You mentioned psychotropics, and we know that nursing homes are getting dinged for for these types of medicines. So we'll have to have you back on the podcast just to do, you know, another interview about value-based care because I see, you know, these are the high-risk medications that that we could be using testing in order to, you know, 
demonstrate that the the patient really doesn't need to be on this medication and you know give good reasons of why we shouldn't be using Seroquel and or, or you know these uh, atypical antipsychotics in in certain patients populations so i you know i definitely i'd love love to have you talk you know about that bring you back on the the podcast but i really appreciate what you guys are doing um like I said, you know, find you guys at pgxmedical.com or if you want to get in touch with me, I'm at btpharmacyconsulting.com. You know, if you're a consultant pharmacist listening out there, I'd be happy to put you in touch with Clay and, and his team. I, I think that you guys are doing a, a great job and I really appreciate you coming on the pharmacy podcast today and, you know, sharing this information with pharmacists. It's very exciting. Absolutely, Blair. I appreciate you and all that you do and uh, happy to be working with you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Pharmacy Podcast Show. Be sure to subscribe to the show and send us a voice message with your ideas and comments from our contact section on the website. Did you know we develop digital health content to assist with business development and marketing efforts? Learn how we can help you drive more patients, physicians, and targeted leads to your website. Contact us today at pharmacypodcast.com.